0: And welcome to the superhero by design podcast a show where we interview real life superheroes my name is ace and i'll be your host my next guest hails all the way from mendocino county california he is a writer nutritionist podcaster and youtuber among other things his philosophy of taking life on with small simple steps has propelled him to fully live the life of his dreams also I hear he's a pretty funny dude. I'm excited to have him on the show, so let's give a superhero welcome to Sid Garza Hillman. Sid, welcome to the show. Ace, it's great to be here. Now Now
1: I've got the pressure to be funny. How am I gonna bring that with all that setup? It's good Lord, now I got the pressure going on.
0: Thanks for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you on. Sid is the Stanford Inn and Resorts Wellness Programs Director and Race Director of the Mendocino Coast 50k trail ultra marathon through his many endeavors. He helps people truly take control of their lives. You can find more information on Sid on his website, Sid I hear he also has a podcast, what Sid thinks podcast. So check that out and also follow him on Instagram at hashtag Sid All right. So since you're a smart and witty guy, I've got a little riddle for you. Okay. How you
1: doing, man? Dude, I, oh, that's a good, I, good. And just side note, I'm not on Instagram. So YouTube, but no other social media. So no Instagram, no Facebook, any of that stuff. Oh, interesting. When I,
0: I was stalking you, I did hard. find something on Instagram. Not not my account, but so I have no idea what that would be, but. <laughs> oh, man, I think I think there might be a doppelganger out there.
1: It could be, and the Stanford Inn has one. So maybe because I run their wellness center, maybe that showed up somehow. But ah, you know, that's yeah.
0: probably what it was. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the show. You do so many different things. You live a life that is truly inspirational. Was this always the case? Were you always this awesome of a dude? <laughs> I don't know. Um,
1: I I would say this. Um, I that's I guess I wouldn't be able to answer that. I've always wanted. I've always found things that I've been passionate about and have really worked hard to. Follow those things, and that—that that is true. Even from a young age, I had a band. In, you know, music was a pretty early passion for me. I had a band in high school, through college, I was playing. Post college, whatever job I could get, just to make sure I could play, you know, gigs and and you know, start a band and all those kinds of things. And then fell into acting, which I really loved as a job, and that sort of supported me, not sort of supported me, so that I could continue the uh, the music. So it was always, um, you know, finding something that excited me. That it was that that it was um, something I could be passionate about, really dig my, get, you know, get my, sink my teeth into. And that that is true. What that has been has shifted over the years, but the but the ethic uh, that background has always been in place. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. So I'm I'm gonna ask you what uh what instrument did you play? Were you a, a guitar player, a drummer, a bass player, guitar and singer and singer songwriter?
1: I will. Side note: I just finished my first album in fifteen years. I, you know, with with the band I had in LA, we put out um, four full length records and a couple EPs and toured, did all that, and then I moved up here and do the things that I do. But you know, we, we can if you want to revisit it, we can revisit it. But during um, you know quitting social media and then COVID, I started writing again. Just kind of just found myself writing again. Loaded a whole album's worth and and over the last year in Los An went down to Los Angeles and recorded a whole new album, which is really exciting for me. And just, you know, it's been a while and now back in the game. So kind of cool.
0: That's really cool. Is is there anything that uh myself or the audience might know of yours from your previous recordings? I mean, the
1: band is called the Sid Hillman Quartet. Uh, You know, and we were, we charted on college radio and toured U S Canada and Europe and, you know, did very independent and very indie. I mean, there were small labels that put our records out, but, you know, not huge, but, you know, we were, had some songs and some TV shows, Felicity and, you know, whatever, just stuff like that. But it was, you know, a really great time. Um, and, and then moved up here because I kind of got burnt on the whole picture and and said, I think I got to pursue some other stuff. And then all of a sudden music kind of came back in, um, organically and in a very, very cool way. So this new record is not going to be a quartet record. It's just a Sid Hillman solo. Um, and it looks like there's a little label in LA that's going to put it out and I think on vinyl, which is kind of fun and, uh, and, and CD too. So that should be coming. We're just mastering the record this month and then, then it'll be hopefully out within a
0: year or so. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, Musician, yeah, actor, right, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but also multiple book writer,
1: correct, yeah, and again, just kind of like, well, th- so the the weird, there's a lot of weird things looking back in my life. Like that was a left turn, you know, and it's those things we look back and we go, oh, that what at the time we're like, what is going on, and then we look back later and we go, oh, that makes perfect sense, you know, and so I I my. You know, graduated from college with a philosophy degree. My, my joke is always that that prepared me perfectly to be an indie rock musician, right? And so I'm like pursuing music, but I was an asthmatic and had been my whole life and no interest in nutrition at all, but was handed a book. I was 22 years old. I read it. I made a little dietary change because something mentioned asthma in the book. My asthma went away and never came back. And, and so while I was pursuing all these things, music and acting, primarily. Um, you know, got married and just kind of doing the LA thing and it was really great. But I was reading book after book. So by the time the business, as it were, the acting music thing was like, I'm kinda of over it. I gotta take, get out of here. You know, my wife and I, my wife's a graphic designer, so she could she was a little more mobile than I was. And we, we we hightailed it up to this little town on the on the coast. And um, and, and again, it was this thing of like, this is something I am interested in. You know, like I, I've been reading for years now and I'm kind of digging it. And I went back to school and became a nutritionist. Then failed as a nutritionist because people weren't sticking with what I was recommending. Wanted to crack that nut. I think my philosophy training really helped in that regard. I was like, I backed right out. I was like, this isn't working. What is going on here? And that was the inspiration for my first book and, and really every book since. Um, which was to really get a, a handle on what is it to be a healthy and happy human being. And it's certainly not just about food and people are spending way too much energy and time thinking about food. And so I was really trying, whether I'm successful or not, to break that habit and really kind of broaden the perspective of the people that read my books and also the people that I work with, um, you know, with my clients.
0: Gotcha. No, n- nutrition is definitely an important thing. Diet, exercise, all of those things. But like you just mentioned, that's not the whole picture. That's not a holistic approach to a whole person. Uh, I had somebody on last week talk about feng shui, essentially setting up the environment of your house, things like that, and that your environment plays a big role on your health, mentally, physically, emotionally. Uh, I, I'm assuming that's part of it
1: as well. Yeah, I mean, not specifically feng shui, but I mean, I, people have used my small steps approach to declutter their homes for sure. It's all the things that are sort of weighing on our shoulders, these kinds of things that like, I call it kind of this subtle stress that we're, it's not like overt, but we're kind of walking in our homes and we're sort of, ah. but we look at the house and we go, oh my God, I can't even deal with that right now. Well, my small steps approach steps in and says, yeah, here's how you do this. And I'm, and it's, it sounds crazy to people, but it freaking works, which is I have clients who go, okay, I'm going to start removing two things per day. You know, and it's it actually starts there. Then they build it, but it's just that little endpoint that that begins their control over what is happening to them. It's it's controlling this thing, and it's not doing it in a way that is burning them out or making them go. I can't deal with that right now. They're doing it, and because they start to do it, it adds up over time. and In a week, they've removed fourteen things. But then a few days later, they start going. I'll do five things a day. And then all of a sudden, within two months, their house is completely decluttered and their drawers are you know, organized. And yes, then they're living better. And yes, then they're eating better. I. It sounds crazy, but it's true. They, it affects their dietary habits. I have changed people's diets without even talking about food just because through the small steps approach, they start writing their novel again. <clears throat> that was hanging over them, <clears throat> you know, that they wanted to work on, but it was just I don't have an hour, you know, all these kinds of excuses. They're working on it again. All of a sudden, their stress is managed. They're feeling better. Better. They're feeling passion in their lives, and then now they're not eating reactively. It's a very cool thing, but it, yeah, like you said, people are spending too much time. They're micromanaging diet to the point that they're not doing the other things that make them happy, and that's a, that's a stress inducing kind of world that I'm trying to help people break.
0: Now oh, that's very interesting. This uh, so Easter was yesterday. Right. And I had spent the majority of my day purging my apartment. Yeah. And so my approach was, I'm going to set aside a whole day and just go at it. Uh-huh. And when I get dialed in, when I get focused on something, I, I call that one of my superpowers is my ability to focus really intensely. And it's hard to break it once, once I'm focused but it sounds like your approach is completely different than the way I tackled getting my apartment in order. And the problem with my approach and I'll, I'll admit it is I was in this apartment for months with boxes here, boxes there, clothes that I never wore just hanging up. And it took me just setting aside an entire day, let alone a holiday, To be like, okay, I'm going to have no distractions. I'm going to completely take myself out of the real world and just focus on this. And for me, obviously I got a lot done, but at the same time, it sounds like your approach might've been a better approach because this would have been taken care of months ago. And I wouldn't have been living in this cluttered minor, like you talked about minor stress induced Apartment for the last few months is—is is that what you find a lot of people do?
1: Yeah, with the yeah, and and I, you know, I would ask you like, what was the tipping point where you find that just like, oh my
0: god, I can't do this anymore? I mean, was that kind of the thing that you were like, I've got to deal with this. Period. The tipping point is my lease is only good for another two months, and I did this, not renew it. And it. I knew that if I didn't get to something like this, that the last weekend would be even worse. crazier and even worse. Good. So you had a mo- You had a
1: a thing that was like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. So here's what I will say. I know that my approach is called small stepping, but how I define a small step isn't, you know, look for that one client. It was two things a day, but for I'll put I'll put this way. Here's how I define my 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 version of small steps. My version of small steps is some as an amount of action that the client perceives as no big deal and small, but the size of that thing can change from client to client. What I help them do. And as a coach, I don't say like, here's your small step. It's two minutes. I go, what can you do starting today? This is literally what I ask every client. For every step, whether it's food related, exercise related, decluttering related, productivity related, artistic related, what can you do starting today that you could do eat every day no matter what? You might not, but could you? In other words, their response is like, yeah, I can do that every day. That's the small step. Now I've had clients who have cancer and their small step dietarily is to literally change their diet overnight. Because to them, it's a small step. They're not, that's not big stressful. They're like, bring it, I got no problems with this. But for other clients, and this is not a joke, I've started clients off with one stock of celery per day because their junk food habit is so ingrained and they've tried 50,000 yo-yo diets where they've given it all up and coming right back. And I go, let's do it differently this time. You've seen this movie before. Let's begin by this thing so that you're not focused on what you can't have. You're bringing in this thing and still doing your other things, and then you start to make moves. It depends on the client, so I would. Say, that's why I asked you, like, what was your motivation? Now, yes, I would argue that two months ago, Ace, if you'd said, "I'm just going to do like 10 minutes per day," by the time la- yesterday hit, you would have been some stuff extra to do, but not like a major deal, right? But whatever, whatever works for you got there. But yes, you would have affected your life up until yesterday, for sure. And that five minutes a day probably would have grown to 20 minutes. A lot of times with clients, as soon as they just start with a small step, they go, oh, I'm here anyways, I'll do a little extra today. And it just but it's just breaking that little first thing. It's that little first thing that just if they don't tackle it, they kind of walk through and that adds up every day. You walk in your house, you're like, oh, I got to deal with this. Oh, I got to deal with this. I hate people, no, I hate when people have to feel that. And I myself, I, look, I've written four books every time I start a book. I, small, I use my own approach every time. And here's my first step of the new book that I'm just about to finish. My first step was, and I'm not kidding, open the file once a day. Not even write, open the file, because the gargantuan thing hanging over me, the publisher was like, okay, well, yeah, we're going to do. It was like, oh, no. So I just open the file once a day. Then it was like, r- look at it five minutes per day. And I just ease my way in. And then all of a sudden, boom, I'm back in
0: it. I have to play that game every time, but it works. It's like, um, I love using the analogy of running a marathon. It always starts with just one step. You can't run a marathon in one step or in one minute. And once you get momentum, and that's just wiring your nervous system to be like, okay, I'm going to start doing this. But like you said, once you start doing it, and I'm the same way, I get focused. Mm -hmm. And so even if I told myself, okay, for five minutes a day, when I get home from work, I will organize something. Mine right. was all organization decluttering, making my living space more functional. So if I had told myself, okay, I can do it for five minutes and came up with that agreement that I will do this no matter what, because I can do five minutes. Right. I guarantee it wouldn't have been just five minutes, probably not even the first time, because once you make that agreement, it is so powerful that no matter what happens this day, I do have five minutes. Because some days you might come home exhausted. You might be so busy. So account for that day because yeah, maybe day one, I was like, man, I knocked out 20 minutes. But then day two, life happens. Day three, week two, week three, whatever. As long as you agree to that five minutes, then you don't have to beat yourself up. It's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not doing 20 minutes every day like I've been doing for the last few days. But I only committed to five minutes. That's correct.
1: I have a, I, my clients carry, they literally work from a steps list, which is a physical piece of paper. I used to do it on, I used to say, your phone's fine. And now the, I'm like, the phone is a vortex of, of pain. It's like, just put that, whenever you can put that aside better, right? So it's a, phys, it's a piece of paper, literally, like you put it in their pockets and I go, trust that list. So, you nailed it, which is that people set a step of five minutes. The next day they do 10. And then the following day they go, oh, I did 10 yesterday. I should probably do 10. I go, no, go to the list. What does the list say? The list says five, five. That's it. Now, if you see a series of 10 and that's sort of like your okay, then change the list from five to 10. And then that's your new step. But yeah, you, it's, it's that negotiating every day that keeps you productive. People ask me, how do you get all this stuff done? Like I'm some I have three kids. Like it's, I, I'm not a super. I'm not. A, I don't have any superpowers. But I've trained my. I've called my approach over the last few years mental toughness training. And I see it now. I really see it that way. It's mental toughness training. I I have gotten very good at what I call stealing moments. This morning, before I got on the on the, to take a run, before you know this interview, I had 15 minutes, and I was like, okay, jumping into my book, and I and I just I can I can go boop boop in the book 15 minutes, and I'm out. If I have to wait for three hours with three kids and a you know and a family and two dogs and three cats and and I'm and I got I need four hours it's like I'm not going to get it but if I can see fifteen minutes I bust in bust out and I've gotten very productive in those times, that's how I get this done it's not magic it's hard work to hone your focus like that but it's not magic it's just the work of you know trying to get all these things done in the context
0: of a busy life now I love that so one thing that came up as you were saying that. To me, I'm a big list guy. I handwrite things out all the time. I love doing that. But one of the issues I run into specifically is I feel like I have this to do list that never seems to be completed. And so, with this, if I have a small steps list and I go through and I check it off every single day, you know, five minutes here, 10 minutes there, whatever I agree to. Do you find that your clients can be like me sometimes neurotic to the point that even at night you're thinking about that list, you're thinking about the next day, or is that more of a me thing rather than your approach, your procedure? Do you, do you kind of get where I'm getting going I with do. on
1: this? I do. And I have an answer for that, which is the steps list is a completely different document. And you got to understand this, this steps list is in context of all the other coaching I'm doing. So if I just sort of have a steps list, it's like, no, the con- you know, we talk, it's a 12 week program. You know, I work with people for 12 weeks. The reason is, is because all the things come up of success and failure and militancy and rigidity. And the steps list is separate from a, to- from a errand to-do list. Like you have a to-do list. So do I, I got to go to the market. I got to go. the steps list is hit this little pocket over here. And it's stuff that gets done. Now, I call it the mot list, which is most of the time. And this is a very big thing for me with my clients and for me, because I have a tendency towards militancy. It's got me injured, literally in the running capacity. It's most of the time. So when I have clients who go, I didn't get to this, I go, nice, good deal. It's a a day, who cares? And that is a huge part of this work. Because if we start going, I didn't get everything done, then we, what is it? Stress. You know, my first thing before, I won't talk about food with a client and most of my clients come to me to talk about food. I go, we'll talk about it in about five weeks. They go, what? I go, five weeks. We're not there yet. It's mindset. It's it's stress management. It's breathing. It's taking time. It's getting, being okay with a one day where you didn't get stuff done. It's developing those skills, then saying, okay, how can I apply that to how I eat and how I move and everything else? But it is that mindset first. So it is, I call it a sacred document. I'm like, that's the, the steps list is you that's the thing that makes you live the life you want to live the errands that's the mundane stuff that we all have to do i, I got it i fold laundry too but the steps list is the stuff that's the most important stuff and i like when people kind of hide it from the world they don't walk around going look at my steps list it's in their pocket and they know it's there it's that little thing that reminds them who they are and the life they want to live it's the reason why people all of a sudden they go like oh i just i was like getting stressed and i just started i'm a breath coach so they, i teach them a breathing technique i go they, although they go, I just started breathing. I calm myself down. I go, yes, because that's the process. That's how this works. It's not magic. It's just over day after day after day, you start to sink in and do these things kind of automatically. I, I, I started feeling my blood pressure go up and I just walked outside for a minute and I just started breathing. And it was the coolest thing as if it's kind of like, whoa,
0: you know, and that happens all the time. It's very, very cool. That is really cool. So what, exactly goes on somebody's step list when you are initially creating it with somebody good so the first thing we do before we do so the way i
1: my mantra and i'm always like kind of on the fence about the word mantra because it sounds so hippie but that's okay it's okay there's no judgment i'm just like you, um, you, you're ma- in
0: mendocino county you can I, hippie it up all like, you want
1: i do i do not have the hair from mendocino county but i know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about yeah a lot of patchouli Just just all, all the time anyway and so um so the first thing i talk about with clients is before we do the steps list is my mantra, which is mind first, body second. So people come into my work and they, with the guns ablazing, which means, okay, I'm ready to just change my diet. And I'm ready to get on that treadmill. And I, mean, I go, wait, da, 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 we're not doing that yet. What do you mean? Like, we're not doing that yet. We're doing the mind work, mind first, body second. The body is, okay, the implementation of all these things like, okay, yeah, eating and artistic and all those kinds of, that's doing, the doing of it. But first we're gonna talk about the mindset. And here's the question I ask. I ask them to do, there's some, a lot of writing assignments. I asked them to do a writing assignment on who they are ideally. And what they, and this is very hard for people. It sounds easy, but when they get to actually doing it, it's very difficult. I asked them to imagine that they're living their perfect lives as if it's happening right now and they and to pretend that they don't really know what they've actually been doing. So they may be eating junk food in reality three times a day, but in their ideal life, they, you know, whatever, they eat healthy food most of the time. Now, I side note, I've never had a single client write in their, I, I call it the ideal idea, They've never written that one time where they say, I'm militant about food. They've never written, I eat healthy food 100% of times. They always write, I eat healthy food most of the time. I don't beat myself up if I have something less than healthy. That's every single time. But without that kind of anchor, they're caught up in some crazy diet or some top 10 list on the internet of top 10 superfoods at the, and they get locked into that thing. And I go, that's, and so then we get to have the conversation of like, well, that's not you because you wrote who you are. You wrote that you're healthy most of the time. You don't really swear. Care if you eat something less than healthy. You're not, you don't really think about food too much. You wrote that. I didn't write. You wrote it. Now, once those things about how they, and again, it's applied to everything how they eat, how they exercise, where they work, they might say, I own my own law firm, whatever. Now, then once that's in place, the steps list is simply implementing action to get them closer to that ideal. But then the intricacy of not caring if you ever reach the ideal. You know, like the happiness of just doing things every day that are moving you in that direction and letting go of like, but I didn't get I've had people write. I'm a professional. I would write in my own ideal idea, and I have. I'm a uh, you know platinum selling recording artist. I know i'm fifty four. The chances of that are so so like negative point seven percent of my chances, but that doesn't I don't care. What I care about is I fashion myself. A, there's something in me that still identifies as a singer songwriter and keeps me working and that makes me happy and you know what that does helps me eat better and be a better father and be a better husband those are the things that are make the most difference to me in my life is how my family is and things and those kinds of actions make me a better human being and so it's first know who you are mind body next is implementing that knowledge into the world in a way that doesn't stress you out in the process
0: i can't agree with you more on what you just said about the daily disciplines. It's good to have goals and a destination and know where you're going, because if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. However, it's not about the destiny. You know, I know it's so cliche. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey, but it is so true, especially if you're taking little tiny actions every single day, there's nothing that I love more than making progress on something. Even if I make a mistake, I fail, and I degress or regress. Yeah. Dear regress, I'll use both. I'm gonna take both. I'm gonna there use we, both. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, motion, motion yeah. is so important. Why, you're a runner, why do you move your body? Because it changes your physiology, it changes your mindset, it changes your thoughts, your words, and everything. Physiology is so important and making progress in life, whether it's small progress, big progress, backwards, forwards, movement is still movement. And if you understand that your failures aren't failures, they're just obstacles, problems you can overcome. Then even when you make mistakes, you're like, well, I gave that a shot. Well, let's try it again. And that's what I love so much about your small steps program is you're taking things that people can do every single day. And like you said, it's different for different people. Right. Some people might say, all I'm going to do today is put my my walking shoes on or my running Mm -hmm. shoes. That's right. That's it. I'm not even going to go outside. I'm just going to put my shoes on. That's correct. Uh, I'm going to read one page. Literally
1: have a client right now that has that exact step. I have a client who, I have had a client who walks around the living room for one minute. That's, yeah. Because in there, because they're, you know, morbidly obese. The idea of going outside is, you know, whatever whatever that thing is for them, I, there's, I have zero judgment about that. I, I'm i like so inspired by people who I'm like, you got off your couch and walked around for a minute intentionally. That's massive, massive. And they do it because that's for them is their small step. I have other clients whose small step is to go outside and walk for 30 minutes. Okay, fine. Whatever, whatever. That's why I don't write steps lists. I never, I don't, there's only, only one step I put, two steps I put on a, on a client's list, which is Text me first thing in the morning and one and, and last thing at night, which is just, just sort of like, are you still with me? Everything else in between those two steps is written by them. And it's just a conversation that I have with them to say, again, what can you start doing today? What do you want? To, you know, do you want to increase this one? Do you want to take this one off because it's already a habit? You know, it's sort of the back and forth to teach them that system, but they write them. It's their step, their life. It's moving them to their lives, what makes them happy. It's not what, as a coach, I'm not like, here's what you should do. Play tennis, that'll make it. It's
0: like, I don't know what's going to make them happy. You know, it's, I want them to figure that out for themselves. That's right. If you told me to play tennis, I would freaking lose my mind. No offense, yeah. no offense would, tennis. I'd- would,
1: I know, oh, it would be a small step for you. Yeah, and my book, my last, my most recent book, my third book is called Six Truths. And the last truth is happiness is in the A to Y. In other words, not the Z. And so it's sort of like, oh, if you hit that goal, I argue in the book. Awesome, pat yourself on the back for the day. Next day, set a new goal because what you—that's exciting to finish a goal. I have finished ultra marathons, and I, it's like amazing. But I'm always my work is like, what is it when you? What's the life you return to? We—I like the exciting big goals that are scattered in and great, but our lives are happy and healthy based on what we do most of the time. Not those one-offs, and those are great. And I—I I do them myself, but I know better than to think. Well, if I just have another race, I'll be the happiest guy. It's like, no, no, that's the day-to-day boring stuff. That's the stuff you got to come kind of set in stone, how you are with your family, how you communicate, how what your work you're doing, all those kinds of things. That's what makes you happy and provides a really strong, great platform. And then you can jump off and do cool challenges or whatever. That's fine. But it's the day-to-day stuff that that is people ignore. And sometimes diets and things can be distractions. They're honestly like I've seen it. I've been doing this a long time. I see people who go to diets because it's a distraction from the stuff they're not dealing with. That's the I, I weirdly the stuff that's causing them to not eat healthy once in a while, and the diet sort of makes them not have to think about that. And I get it. We don't want to think about that stuff. But small steps allows you to kind of think about it but not have the pressure of changing it overnight. At the same time, like okay, cool. Okay, well, let me just I'm gonna start making moves, like you said. It's and that's it's it's makes them happier almost like right
0: right away. Yeah. One philosophy I heard recently was do the things you don't want to do at the beginning of the day. So if there's something that you're fearful of and that you really are pushing off, whether it takes you five minutes or an hour or two hours, whatever, I have a buddy who does the things he does not want to do. And this came from a podcast from a a pretty... A prolific podcaster and he was like every day do the things you don't want to do because that's what's preventing you from taking those next steps and and all of that but it sounds like that's not even something that your program it, talks about not not that it 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 doesn't matter because if you're doing small little incremental steps then even if you don't want to do them it's so small at least at the beginning that you can do it without worrying about do I want to do this or not am I correct in that assumption
1: yeah well I'll I'll put it this way and this is kind of like the meta part of the work I do (laughs) I would argue that on some level they do want to do that stuff so it's sort of like there are days where I don't want to run but the sort of capital I does and that's the battle As I call, I did a video one time, like the the, on my YouTube channel, like the it's like the battle of the modern human being, which is this sort of battle between what they call the lizard brain, the limbic system, kind of reactive stress, fear kind of thing, and the prefrontal cortex, which is the executive thinking. It's the way we can sort of go, I really am craving that Big Mac, but I don't, I don't really want it. It's that thing, and under stress, we we tend to move toward the more reactive way. That's why, as a as a nutritionist, I'm I'm helping people manage their stress long before I'm making nutritional advice, because when the stress is in place, when they're not as stressed, they're less reactive eating rise, right? So there's sort of that ongoing battle that sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. We win it more when we're managing our stress, I will say that. And so it's sort of like these things that we so-called don't want to do can be because we're not sleeping well, we're not eating well, we're feeling a little more stressed or we're a little more tired, a little more reactive. But the I or the real of us does. and the And the, the weird thing about it is I call it the after feeling. You know that you, the real you wanted to do it. If you go, I still want to exercise today, but you do it anyway. Afterwards, if you feel like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. That means the real you did want to do that. Now, I here's the, here's the other kind of side of that story. There is, in my opinion, no getting around the fact that to live a good life means there are going to be things that are going to be uncomfortable. That means if you're, I've been married 28 years, and I go, if I never fought with my wife, I probably wouldn't have a good marriage. That would be very weird. If 28 years and raising three kids and you know all the stresses of financial stuff, and we never argued, it would mean that I wasn't communicating. There is going to be some upheaval. When you're engaged in your life, it's the good and the bad. It is the stuff that is uncomfortable. And the more that you would accept that and be okay with that, the better the, be- the good stuff is. So you can't sort of like I don't want to deal with any of the uncomfortable stuff. That's why people go to junk food. I get it. That's why people go to drugs and alcohol. And I put junk food in that same category because they want to feel good supposedly all the time. But you can't have that picture without being artificially on drugs. <laughs> you can't you can't feel good all the time. It doesn't happen that way. So if you cannot get so stressed about the fact that there's going to be some discomfort in your life, and by the way, this is a process. I've been doing this for years and on myself for years. Now I get in a in a um cold tub every day. And um, I'd been doing cold therapy for five years. So I have a tub on my deck that's 39 degree water. Uh, and I always tell a story to a client 100% of times, 100% of times I have dreaded to get in there. The thought of getting in there is dread, is dread inducing and stress inducing 100% of times. I've never thought, boy, I can't wait to get in that 39 degree tub every time I hate it. Here's the other thing. 100% of times I get out, I go, I'm glad I did that. And that's a, that's an intention. Eleanor Roosevelt said, do one thing every day that scares you. And I, and, I, and I think that that's kind of that little, now again, I'm only in there for two two, minutes, two to three minutes. So it's not like this thing that I, it makes me feel good. It's a juice of energy. I feel great when I get out, but it's that little game I play every time that I'm in charge of my life, that I can be in charge, that I can exert control over my re- fear, fear kind of thing. And that gets me doing other things that are, somebody asked me recently, a friend of mine, she's like, you just don't have fear about stuff. I go, I'm afraid of everything. What are you talking about? Like putting a book in the world is terrifying. Putting an album in the world is terror. It's all scary. I just didn't, I started doing well when I thought, when I didn't try to make that go away. That that was like, yeah, I'm scared. I'm terrified. I tell my kids, I go, "I'm I'm so scared about this. I want them to know that I'm scared about stuff, that I'm flawed, that I'm nervous, that I have anxiety. I want them to know that stuff. Because if they see me feel those things and be okay with feeling those things and still do stuff that makes me happy, that's the lesson. I don't want them looking at me going, yeah, he just never wasn't afraid of anything. It's like, oh, good Lord. I'm up at three in the morning with anxiety like everybody else sometimes. It's can you negotiate a life in that context? I happen to have an approach I believe in, but there's a, t- thousands of other ways that probably work just as well as mine. But that is the goal, to help people ex- coexist with fear and stress to coexist with it, to say, okay, that's part of my brain. It's trying to protect me. I get it, but I'm going to still do, I had stage fright, but I'd get on stage. I'd be stressed every, before every show, walk on stage, at, off stage. Oh, thank God I did that. <laughs> every time it's, it was the cult therapy of the day. You know, it's like the thing you don't want to do. And then afterwards you go out. Oh, I, I did want to do that. Ah, damn it. I did want to do that. And you play the game again and again.
0: I do cold water immersion as well. Oh, do you? Nice. Not a single time that I have looked forward to it. Like, I would psych myself up and say, you're going to love this afterwards. You're going to love this afterwards. That's the prefrontal cortex. That's exactly right. And, you know, my shower here in Tennessee, we're getting into the spring and summer now. It does not get cold enough. And when you say 39 degrees, I have been in 39 degree bathtubs with ice. Yep. Yep, that's right. That is... Very cold. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Very cold. Even, and you don't even have to go that cold. I'm 50, high 40s, low 50s. That works just as well. Heck yeah, it does. But yeah, I love what you said because just like building muscles at the gym, Mm -hmm. building muscles with discomfort is a thing. Like you can, they say, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That doesn't mean you feel comfortable. It That's means right. you are willing to be uncomfortable. That's correct. Just like jumping in the cold water. I That's do right. not feel comfortable when I'm there, but I That's get right. not comfortable, but I, I'm, I'm, I've rewired myself just to say, you know what, whatever thoughts are going on in my head, I'm just going to go jump in and do it. And not only am I going to do that, I'm really big on breaking through those mental barriers. So you could- if you do it for 30 seconds, 15 seconds. I always tell people, they ask about cold water. I post about Mm -hmm. it all the time. Oh, okay. I'm like, do five seconds, do 10 seconds. At
1: the the end of your hot shower, go to cold, it's going to suck and you're done. Yeah. it's You know what I mean? And that that practice and that mindset, that's why I call it mental toughness training, right? Because that mindset bleeds into all areas of your life. Then all of a sudden you're doing the thing that you don't want to do and you haven't done, but then you're like, all right, it's going to suck. And that thing allows you to kind of get a lot of cool things done. It's not like, I mean, I spend a, ton, a lot of time with my family. Here's what I don't do: I don't spend a ton of time. I'm not on social media, you know. So it's not like I, you know, take time away. It's like I just, like I said, I find moments. And sometimes it's dread-inducing, you know. It's that little cold shower, in other forms. Writing my book is a form of a cold t- plunge, you know. Beginning that process, sometimes it's really uncomfortable. Right now, I'm stressed. I'm supposed to get the the next draft of this manuscript to the publisher well i was supposed to get it to him yesterday to her yesterday i'm not i'm not there i'm running late my race that i direct is in 2 weeks so i'm trying to get this to her so that i can get ramped up for my race it's all these things going on it's a lot of ah, uh, but what keeps me going is breath work and eating well and being okay with some discomfort it's going to suck <laughs> for a while and when, when we can just go yeah, it's whatever it's going to suck or do you find i to me it's the first 30 45 seconds of the cold plunge now I have a cold plunge on my deck because I'm in mean, California and we were droughting up something fierce before all the rains hit. And so I was like, I'm just going to have it on the deck so I can, I don't have to do a shower every day. Basically that's why, but I also was like, I'll see how cold I can get, you know? And, and so it kind of kept going. I kept inching down from 50 to 39 over the first, you know, few weeks that I had it. And, I just kind of get in there and then that same process applies to all the other things of like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it anyway. I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do this. And then afterwards, I'm glad I did it. But yeah, after the first 30, 45 seconds, I kind of settle in. It's not comfortable, but it's not horrible. Like it's kind of, you kind of get into this place of like, oh, that's kind of okay. I can be here for a little bit, you know, and it's almost meditative. And, um, and I kind of make fun of meditators and I do meditate. So I'm done. I'm not saying this except for like, kind of make fun. I'm like, if you want to, if you think you can meditate, meditate in a 39 degree cold tub. Don't meditate in the nice comfort, comfort of your home and a nice pillow in front of a candle and everything. Everybody in your family has to be quiet while you do it. Get, get present and aware when you've got something like 39 degree water surrounding your body that then you're talking about a skill that allows you to calm in, in, in that kind of environment. And that's been developing. I've, I've done it every, literally every day for five years. And it's been an ongoing process
0: in a cool way. Oh yeah, building up a muscle for sure because yeah. once the weather gets warmer, the water isn't cold. I don't have a cold plunge pool in in my apartment or anything, but I noticed too when we get back into winter, my ability to withstand the cold water that you know, like any other muscle, like if you don't run for 6 months, you're mm-hmm. not going to be hitting what you were doing 6 months ago when you were right. extensively training or or anything. So right. I agree with you 100%. You can build up the muscle of discomfort and it's subjecting yourself to uncomfortable things. Same thing with working out at the gym. You you build up... I wouldn't even say it's a tolerance. You Like you said, you build that muscle. You get those reps in and then it goes to all parts of your life because if you can kick your butt in the gym or kick your butt running a trail or cycling... Um, a street I'm, I'm not a cycler so no, I'm not either um, but yeah. if if you start training yourself with certain things cold water immersion being a great one or just getting up at an uncomfortable hour 5 and... 530 in the morning other things don't seem as crazy anymore it's like I just went into 40 degree water freezing my butt off came out shivering I can take this meeting on. No. Exactly. So
1: I found that exact experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. I, I yeah. got this. Wait, this is stressful for you? This is, guess what I did? Yeah. And ultra running, my new book's on ultra running. And I, had, I literally write, am writing that exact experience of like my worst days at work. I'm like, I did a 50 miler once. Like, I, you know, like <laughs> I got in a 39 degree tub this morning. This office politics stuff, eh, you know, like, is this really good now? Sometimes it gets swept up in it and sometimes it gets lost. But most I've seen a gradual improvement in my perspective around these things. And I go, OK, it's this this thing. Like I'm not I've done that whole thing over there, you know. And have you ever heard of hormetic stress? I have not. No. So, so hormetic stress, hormetic is, is basically meaning cold, cold, cold therapy is hormetic stress. It's and so is exercise, by the way. It's any short term burst of stress that is small enough to trigger adaptations in the body. And I would argue and mind. Not so long. Like in other words, if you got in a cold tub for 20 minutes, it would be, you'd go to the hospital or, you know, you could, if you, you know, go out and run for three hours when you have never run before, it's too much. Now, hormetic stress is just a little bit. It's getting into cold puns, two or three minutes. It's getting into a sauna. It's exercise. It's things that trigger my breath work that I coach is a a form of hormetic stress. The exercise of the breath work exercises or hormetic stress, they're small enough little pops that trigger adaptations that strengthen the body. I love to back out of these things because we go down the rabbit hole of cold therapy and, and, and I do too. But I also like to back out and go, this was all stuff that we did when we were living in the wild. This we were up against the elements. We had peaks of stress. Our overall stress was lower, but we would have, we would get chased by a lion. We had to survive. We had to find, you know, we had to find shelter. We didn't have padded shoes that protected our little feet from any kind of pain, you know, like we we were connected. So all I'm arguing for is that we live in the modern world. So do I, but let's, we have to make an intentional effort to kind of pop ourselves into a little bit of discomfort to to stay strong. And what's happening, we are weakening. We are softening. We have climate control that keeps us in a pocket of temperature that is about one inch wide. It's between 68 and 72. And anything hotter than that, our shirt comes off and air conditioning comes on and anything colder than that gets a big parka. And it's like, when we can kind of pop into a little bit of discomfort now and then, we get, we, we live better for it. We f- are happier for it. We're stronger for it and we're better for it. And it, but, but in the modern world makes it so you don't have to do any of that stuff. You just, have, you don't have to, you don't have to get off your couch to eat and you just call dominoes. and it'll come right in your door. So it's, you have to make an intentional effort to say, okay, if I want to live better, I have to kind of make a decision to do that. That's a hard thing. In the wild, we just have to do it. You'd be like, it's cold today. I have no control over it. But here we have to go, okay, I'm going to get cold. I'm going to get cold. Okay, I got I just got to get to decide to get cold. And uh, that's the hard work of this. I mean, it takes a while to sort of adopt that ethic, that mindset of like I have to on purpose do some crazy stuff, little bits, but crazy stuff just so I can kind of live better most of the time. I always go like it's 3 minutes of crap in a tub, but the rest of my day is a little bit better
0: because I did it. You know, and that's a cool thing over time, but it takes a while. Oh There's yeah. No doubt about it. Well, I'm 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 really big into studying neuroscience and all of that. And it seems like all these little things like fasting, cold water immersion, breathing techniques, all these things actually promote the neurochemistry in your body to release great things. Adrenaline for energy, uh, dopamine for motivation, all these wonderful rewards that you get for doing the things your mind is saying, I don't don't really want to do this. That's right. That's the battle I talked about before. And when we
1: choose to do these things, we do get that really. I get out of the tub, norepinephrine, it's like a, you, you feel like I, there is a heightened sense of mood. Like I feel good. I get out of the tub and I'm like, you know, and it's like you feel really good. And that's a thing. And it does last. It's not like it's a cocaine where you're done after, you know, whatever, 20 minutes. It's, it's, it kind of makes it last in a weird way. But so does healthy eating too. And if I can sell somebody on the idea that, It's not going to taste French fry. I always say like, I love my banana shakes that I make, but I don't French fry love them. You know, and I always go like, they're never going to be as good as French fries because nothing is good as French fry. But if I can be like, this is good enough and makes me feel really good, then I don't have a client going, I wish I could have French fries. My, My response is always like, have them. I mean, you're an adult, go get French fries. Good Lord but also eat these things also here that make you feel really good most of the time also, you know? And so it's like that getting that out of that restrictive kind of like, okay, it's not going to taste the best thing ever, but who cares? It's because it has a bigger purpose than just the meal itself. And then sometimes have the purpose of just having the kick-ass meal that is not good for you, but it's the one thing that you do, right? So it's that it always for me is my, again, mind first, body second. I will not have a conversation with a client about food when I feel like they're just Shining me on just to get to the food conversation. I will purposefully push it back. Oh, we're not there yet. But I, but I, we're not there yet. You've been counting calories for fifty years. Don't. We're getting away from that. You're going to have a conversation about food when you can actually have a conversation about food that's more in line with who you are, not how you've been doing this for fifty years. You know. And so that's the that's the work of it. And I have to sometimes clash with clients. They'll get pissed at me because they want to talk about food. But what am I supposed to say? We're not talking about it yet. You know. And and then and then I do eventually, and they go okay. Because then they can, then they can small step it. Yep. Whereas whereas before they changed their diet overnight, went on a diet and burned out and failed in their minds, you know? So it's like, it's a very, it's kind of a fun give and take.
0: I hear you. Well, for those of you listening, Sid Garza Hillman is a writer, nutritionist, podcaster, and YouTuber, among many other things. He is living his life fully. And when I say fully, shoot. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know, he takes care of business, takes care of his family, takes care of his life, takes care of his body. He's got a podcast called What Sid Thinks Podcast. Not on social media, but definitely check him out on YouTube and check out his website, sidgarzahillman.com. All right, time for the fun questions. Not sure if you have this or not superhero name. Do you have one? And if not, what would it be? Oh my God. Such a
1: hard question.
0: A superhero name. And it doesn't have to be all encompassing. You do a lot of breath work, ultra marathons, nutrition. The the small steps guy, small steps guy. It was
1: either that or bald man. And I did, I felt like one of them was a little more pejorative. So small steps, man,
0: small steps, man. I love it. Sid, the small stepsman Garza Hillman. What is a mouthful? But I am using it. <laughs> small stepsman. Yeah, small stepsman. Like Superman. David
1: Sp- David Spade had a bit years ago about Superman. He's like his like it was his last name, like Bill Superman. And so and, and that's so, right. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. So like small stepsman. Yeah, Superman. So, he's like Mr. Spiderman.
0: Anyway, so this is small stepsman. Uh, so, yeah, there you go, Sid. Small stepsman. I love it, Sid. Small stepsman. All right. You had mentioned earlier in the podcast that you don't have superpowers. I beg to differ. If you had to name a superpower or two, what would it be? If I had a superpower that's my own? Correct. Um, Maybe humor.
1: Humor. I love it. I I try to, and whether I succeed or fail doesn't, this means less to me over the the years, but I do try to bring a lot of humor into the work that I do to try. I kind of joke around with clients is like, to sort of give them a little perspective, like this is sometimes this is funny stuff. Like you're battle with food, we can have a conversation, like we can laugh about it, you know. And it takes a while, and we do, but laugh. Being able to laugh at yourself and being able to to joke around in general is pretty great. It brings some levity to some heavy su- some heavy subjects, and and uh, it's been working pretty well for me. So,
0: yeah, humor is always great too at putting things in perspective because when you say something like you said about something that could be very serious, but if you do it in a jokingly way or you're not mocking it, but adding humor to it you get a chance to well one break somebody's state but two take a step back and be like oh yeah maybe maybe it wasn't as big as i built up built it up in my head 100%
1: right i had a battle the other day for writing my book and uh, it was a few weeks. I joked about it. I, mean, I joked about it on the podcast, and this was things I will talk about. But I was trying to write my book, and I was like on YouTube, and I was trying to write my book, and then I was on the news, and I was, and it, I went back and I like watched it in real time. Like it was the weirdest thing. And I just, I started, I finally was like, I can't, and then I started laughing about it. And then I was like, oh, this is the most ridiculous thing. And then I got to work. But if I'd been like, oh, I'm so stupid, I can't do, you know, then that's the rabbit hole, right? So instead, I backed out and I was like, this is crazy world we're living in. Like I can't write a sentence without going to YouTube. Like, what is happening? You know, and I kind of just brought a little levity in my own brain to it, talked about it on the podcast, because I want to be able to communicate that to people who
0: listen to me. I love, I love humor. It, it it's so good at 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 breaking that state. Sometimes when I'm in like a negative mindset and and all of that, I'll, I'll make like a a funny noise, like a squeak, or I'll use like some terrible voice trying to you know uh mimic somebody and then i'll just laugh at myself at how horrible it sounds and then instantly i've changed my state that's right that is a fantastic superpower who are some of your superheroes they can be real life superheroes or they could be like the marvel dc comic superheroes Mm, man these are so these are like the best awesome questions that i'm completely
1: not prepared for
0: um uh, There's a reason I don't
1: do these on Frank the, on the pre on the pre track form. Yeah, I know you're like master. <laughs> hey, give me a little, a little, little bit of one. Um, superhero Frank Black of the Pixies, one of my superheroes <clears throat> in terms of songwriting. Vic Chestnut is another one. They they're not just songwriters that I love, but I actually like. I'm inspired by them and kind of what they do. Um, that's such a kind of in the art world that would be kind of my thing. I don't know. I can't even come up with any other ones. I I try to. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe my kids. You know, like I try to look for inspiration in the people that I'm kind of watching evolve, and and my clients. God, my so my client, most of my clients are superheroes to me because I'm like, you are 57 and you've decided to take on your life for real. That's that is I can't even believe how cool that is, and I try to get that to them. Like you are doing things differently for the first time in 57 years. Do you understand how massive and cool that is? Because sometimes they don't. For them, it's just like, it's a scale weight. I go, do you, but you know it's not though, huh? And they're like, yeah, because if it were a scale weight, they'd do another diet. So to me, a lot of the superhero in my world are the people that I'm seeing take on their lives against all odds and at any age. You know, I have a 20-year-old client, but I also have some 70-year-old clients, and, and it's like, well, that's come on. Oh, and one more thing, the over 70-year-olds every year that run my race that I direct, it's a 34-mile trail run and I always have three to five over 70s run that race. Oh, wow. Now, you, you tell me that's not insane. I mean, 74-year-old woman last year comes across. Great race, goes tromps and off to her car. I'm like, oh, my
0: God. Tell me that's not a superhero in real life. Unbelievable. Yep, yep. Speaking of artists, too, being here in Nashville, I get exposed to Willie Nelson a lot. Yeah. And the more I read up on him and learn about his life, it was not only a, a few years ago. I I don't know how old he is. He's in his seventies at least, maybe even his eighties at this point. But he decided to take on some sort of martial art Whoa. in his seventies and got his black no belt. No way. And so same thing with these people, 70 plus running ultra marathons. The sound <laughs> no. of hey, I'm a runner and the sound of an ultra <laughs> marathon. My my buddy just did a 50K over the weekend. There you go. Um, I think out in Pennsylvania, and the thought of that. Kind of trail race. It was a trail race too. That Correct. kind of race scares the heck out of me. But that's because go back to the beginning of the interview. You got this big giant thing that yep. can seem over you. insurmountable. But by doing one step, put on your shoes, walk outside, walk in your your house. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. Obviously, you know, or sorry, go ahead. No, no, you know what the
1: title of my new book is. What's that? It'll it'll be out next year. Ultra running is for normal people. Oh, it literally literally is the lessons that ultra running has taught me. And, and a lot about fear and that whole, it's, it's the, it's a, it's a bigger version of a cold plunge. And it is like, I am not a good runner. I'm a not, I'm a very mediocre athlete. Like I'm a back, I'm a mid to back of the pack of any race I've ever done. But I do ultra marathon and it's so not my wheelhouse. I am not that guy. And because of that, it's a thing that I do. And it has been such a cool kind of reality for me to explore being in a world that is not really on paper or something you would ever think that I would ever do. And, um and so I wrote a whole book on it <laughs> and then, and it got picked up because I think people attach like to that kind of, they're looking a little, little, Oh, they're kind of glancing over there. Like, I wonder if I could do, you know, and if they see a 70 year old do it, they're like, that's the coolest thing. How many old people go, well, it just happens when you're old. I'm like, she's 70 and cross the line faster than I would. So, something's amiss something doesn't add up is it just cuz you're old or are you is it a mindset issue mindset yes, very, yeah that's right that's very cool stuff very so, cool stuff
0: so how do my listeners get a hold of you i had mentioned the website is that the best way to get a hold of you and your services
1: probably you know you can go to smallstepintensive.com. Smallstepintensive.com is my 12 week private coaching model there's also um smallsteppers.com which is an, i have an online um thing that, you know, you could do the, the, the thing. But r- what I do mostly is a small step intensive because it's a it's an intensive. It's kind of cool. But yeah. So SidGuardTheHelman.com is sort of the portal for all those things for sure. And Stanford Inn, I run the Wellness Center there. It's a cool little resort here on the Mendocino Coast, StanfordInn.com. You can find out about me. I teach classes there and all those, all sorts of cool stuff there too.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I know we didn't jump into that, but I, I would love just to get to know at least just a sneak peek of what happens at the Stanford Inn. It's a it's a full resort. Um, it's got you know canoeing and biking
1: and indoor pool and a full wellness center and an organic farm. It's owned by Joan and Jeff. They started in nineteen eighty. I'm not even kidding, and they still live on the property. So it's like a dying art because it's like this kind of personal thing for them, which is why I dig it. Because I'm, I always say I'm one of the owners, just not financially, <laughs> but in my brain, I like I really am attached to that place. I've been there 16 years, you know, and it's all the other stuff I do. That's kind of this whole, all, all this also like home base for me too, you know? And so I teach cooking there. I teach nutrition there. I teach breathwork classes. I do guided hikes, but we also have a gardening instructor. Joan Stanford does creative play shop. She's an art therapist. She does these really, really fun, creative classes for people. So it's just this very cool thing that is doing it sustainably in a very real way from the food they serve to the material cleaning materials they use in a very cool way but it's also kind of upscale and cool and anyways very they support the local community and local artists it's a very cool thing so it's, it's a it is a one of a kind i don't know if there's anything like a stamp yeah the world which i feel very at home there yeah because
0: honestly i've never heard of anything quite like that and sounds absolutely amazing so definitely for those listening Check it out, and if you're in Mendocino County, I would highly recommend going there and seeing what's going on. All right, we're wrapping up here. Go. Cool. One thing that you want the audience to remember from this interview: there are that you have better
1: hair than I do. That's the one, that's the one. That's the number one thing. The second thing is that there are things you everybody listening to this can do starting today that will move them to, a, to the life that they want to live. Start Literally starting today. If you understand that you don't have to do it all, and if you try to do it all, you'll burn out. And just the power of those one little thing that you all of a sudden are moving, there is a power in that that bleeds into all every part of your life. It's not about that one deep breath that I have started clients with, one breath, which is meditation. And they go, one breath, that doesn't do anything. I go, it starts the process of you doing something that is going to make you happy. That is what I call the ethic of self-care. That's the habit that begins. And then eventually it grows into 45 minutes of meditation or whatever it is. But that one little act is power in that that people do not believe, but it's there and you got to experience it
0: for yourself. Awesome. Well, I challenge the listeners out there. Think about, ask yourself this question, what is one small thing that you can do today that you can do consistently? And Correct me if if I'm not coaching my audience correctly, but yeah, yeah, just ask yourself that question. Just one thing. It doesn't have to be health. It doesn't have to be fitness. It doesn't have to be writing a novel or anything like that. But what's one thing you want to work on that you can do with minimal effort today and after you're done listening to this program, go out and do it. Nice. I love it. Well, Sid, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Once again, for those listening, Sid is the Stanford Inn and Resorts Wildness Programs Director and Race Director of the Mendocino Coast 50K Trial Ultramarathon. Through his coaching and many, many other artistic endeavors, he helps people truly take control of their lives. Check out his website at sidgarzahillman.com and also check out his podcast, What Sid Thinks Podcast. Well, I wish we had more time. It was fantastic talking to a fellow Californian, even even though I'm out of the state. I love talking to you. I love what you're doing out in Mendocino County. I think your program is fantastic and it just starts with one small, simple step. And there's so much power in that. So I really thank you for coming on and sharing all of that information with my listeners. Well, Ace, it's been a pleasure and you're awesome and you're a great interviewer. So I'm, I'm really happy and thankful that you brought me on. Hey, anytime, man, anytime. So for those of you listening, once again, Superhero by Design podcast, people like Sid help us design the lives that we want to live, but are truly also meant to live. So thank you once again for taking time out of your day to listen to me ask crazy questions to amazing guests, just like Sid. And with that said, case out.